We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 273. Our guest today is a successful rider, but she also runs Europa Horse Agency, which is based in Belgium, and they help buyers find their perfect match through a wide network of stables and breeders based in Belgium, the Netherlands, Germany, and France. Our guest grew up on a horse. She started her first regional show jumping competition at 11. She was born in Quebec, and she spent all of her winters in Florida learning from the best of the sport. She has that amazing balance of knowledge of what buyers are looking for in the U.S. and the connections in Europe to really create an amazing business. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Anne-Sophie Millette. Hi, Anne-Sophie. Hey, Bethany. How are you? Doing well. How are you? Good, good. Super. Good. Where are you calling in from? Well, right now, uh, exceptionally, I'm in Canada, in uh, Montreal, Quebec. Normally, you would hear me from Belgium, but now I'm visiting family, so I'm in my hometown. Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I'm so excited to talk about this topic, um, but first, would love to hear how you first got into the horse world. For sure, I'm uh, passionate about horses, about ponies when I was a kid, most uh, precisely. So for me, it was a passion that I don't know where it came from. My parents don't come from a horse family. So it's really, I think, by watching TV, watching Ian Miller on Big Ben, obviously, Mm. and then just getting into it in summer camp. So really humble way to start. Like all kids would start horsing because they love horses, right? And then it just evolved. I went from hunters to jumpers, uh, the typical parcours that somebody would do, then the young riders, then I did Grand Prix. And then the question, how do you do a career in horses? (laughs) And today I'm based in uh, Belgium and I own my horse agency where I help people find their horses for them. What was your original answer to that question? Like, what were some ideas that you had in your head when you were like, how do I make a career out of this? Did you kind of like instantly go to the path that you're at now? How did that kind of unfold? Yeah, really not actually. And I think that's something with horses, we all want to we love it so much that we want it to be our job. I wanted to be a writer for sure. And I still am a writer, but wear the red jacket professionally, be part of Canadian team. That was my dream. And that's why I came to Europe. How did I switch to selling horses more than anything? If you would ask me like 10 years ago, if I thought I would be a horse seller, never. <laughs> that would never, was not part of my plan, but it just got a friend asking me because I wanted was in Europe riding horses here. I saw a lot of horses here and there. So it just came one friend, another friend. I was like, okay, this is a way to build my life. And when I realized maybe the sport aspect was not how I was going to make the dough. <laughs> because, okay, it, when you don't come from a horse family, you have a different path also. Right. And 
then I started thinking about my horse agency, let's say four years ago, and I'm two years legally Belgium-owned business uh, doing my business uh, overseas. And now you are known as a very talented horse and rider matchmaker, helping buyers find their perfect match. So tell me, what makes a good match between horse and rider? Why are you able to help so many riders find their perfect match? Like kind of like, what are you looking for in both horse and rider to make this happen time and time again? Sure. And I think that's a really complex uh, <laughs> question that deserves That's a the whole podcast. Answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and why me? Let's say, because even me at the beginning, I say, who is Anne-Sophie to tell you which horse would suit you best or not suit you best? For sure, I think my parcours, how I was uh, brought into horses, how I learned, you know, uh, if I wanted to go in Florida in the, in the winter, I needed to work for it. So I did riding student for a long time. So I was able to sit on an array of horses that was really wide. I tried horses for the clients when I was a riding student. I sat on every horses out there. Then I trained. So even in Europe, I would ride 15 horses a day, which seemed crazy, but it's actually something that happens. So sitting on all those type of horses and competing at all levels, like I say, I went from uh, short stirrups to Grand Prix level in so many years that you touch so many different type of horses. And then as a rider, I'm North American. I specialize with European horses. So I'm able to really translate like, okay, this horse in Germany, will he be suitable for the North American market? And if yes, to what type of rider? Because in the end, the answer is really how much uh, confidence the rider has, how much confidence the horse has and what level you want to achieve with it. And matching this horse that has all the potential, maybe not all the heart, it becomes really in finding the plan. You know, I always talk about the plan, what you want and does it match what you need? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And finding that balance and establishing that thing before, I think is uh, the crucial part that, you really outplay my checkboxes. I want to do this at this level in this time frame and what type of horses I need to do it. Because the sad part is that the horses is just the way that you will accomplish your goals, right? Mm-hmm. Except if you really want to do in a way that you don't really compete, that you want to have mostly have fun. But there is also a big competition aspect to our to what we do, the riding or at least the clients that approach me, because if you go to Europe to buy a horse, it's rare that it's just to ride in your backyard. Otherwise, <laughs> I would mm-hmm. not su- suggest it because there's plenty of horse also in North America. So yeah, the matching, <laughs> it's yeah. a big process. Let's right. keep it like that. And you need to be true to yourself. I think that's the most, most, most important thing to know what you want and what you need. And yeah, the professionals around you be able to listen to them also. Right. And obviously your Europa horse agency, are you just sourcing horses from Europe? What is the the focus and main emphasis on people finding horses in Europe? Sure. So Europe, we're really lucky to have so many options, right? It's why people come here. We talk about France, Holland, Germany, Belgium, even in Spain. It's so normal in the culture to have all those horses around you to breed horses It's a bit less common in North America, but still plenty out there. 
So here people come because there's so many options. If you buy in the US, maybe you have 10 good options for what you want and need. And if you come to Europe, if you stay for a while, at least the answer can be not infinite, but for sure disproportionate in numbers. Mm. So sourcing here is really having all the options and finding the horse that might suit you better than the options you have in Canada. Would you say that the U.S. could produce horses that rival those coming from Europe? Sure. Producing is not the question, I think. I think the U.S. has great breeders and is developing much more. I think the difference is the history here. Like Mm. people in France or in Belgium or in those countries have horses tattooed in their heart for so many long time before that the culture is here and so important compared to the U.S. that it's more recreational or that people who have horses are brought into it not because it's 10 generations before them and producing a horse in the U.S. or in Canada it comes to the money also like producing a horse in Europe can be cheap Mm-hmm. Because there's so many structures around you, horse shows, five minutes from you. You can go one day, jump the 140, come back home. In the States, you need to plan to go to, I don't know, Ocala for two weeks. Right. Bring your horse there, stop your life for two weeks and just focus on the competition. So it's really the aspect around it. How easy is it to develop a horse in North America? It's doable, but it's for sure more complex just because what it's around you to help you produce your horse. Right, right. Let's dive a little bit more into the actual horse buying process. You have a lot of great advice out there, including um, I've heard your three W's, which are want, willingness, and window. Can you break that down for me a little bit? So a lot of time, uh, our check box list, Mm -hmm. I like to call it, of what we want is really big. And it should be because I don't think you know, we pay so much for our horses that I don't think you should have lower expectation. But I do think they need to be realistic. Like I said to a client last time, they wanted to do the 110 successfully, which is perfect. You know, if you want to be a winner in the 110 or in the low juniors or in the high amateurs, it's really about what your level and what you want to accomplish comes with it. But for example, if you want to do the 110s, why would you want a horse that already has 140 results, right? It's not always about finding this horse that accomplished everything. Like there's really suitable horses that their strength is doing the one tenth mm-hmm. and going to win every day. So what you want and what you need can be different. And that's why I say to people, make sure that you know that your list needs to be realistic and that you will know by talking to your trainer or to the scout or to the agent that helps you, or if you're really independent in your search for horses, you need to ask yourself questions or make sure you have all the answers out there because otherwise you'll shop for a long time, maybe be overwhelmed by Mm -hmm. what's out there. And okay, we always don't want to make the mistake, but there's no mistake. They're just a learning curve, right? Because Mm -hmm. horses are not cars. That would be so easy (laughs) or easier at least. But they have feelings, they have emotion. That's where willingness comes from, I think. For example, my first young rider horse, I really wanted to do the young rider before I was 21, right? And I was only having a 130 horse before. 
and my trainer pointed me to a 12 year old I would say ugly horse (laughs) (laughs) that had the most blood a bit scared of other horses but he had something that he would see a fence and always go next to like on the other side so he would Mm -hmm. see a fence go on the other side and that was for me something that I didn't find him he was pretty he was not nice to take care in the stable so go further than my own beliefs or what I thought I would want and this horse was the horse of my lifetime still as of today so make sure you know the willingness is what you're able to compromise or what type of horse suits your level of comfortableness (laughs) in this where you want to go maybe I was a bit messy (laughs) in this (laughs) I think it can be resumed that if you want to accomplish a certain level you need to know that you're ready and you buy a horse that will have probably the heart to do it if you're not yourself used to do this level and then for sure when you're shopping and when you have a budget x so between this money and this money you'll realize sometimes that you'll need to make compromises unfortunately for sure we all want the three-star winner um, that's pretty and has good x-rays and that uh, has perfect clinical not too old not too young Mm -hmm. but at one point you'll need to go back to your list and say okay what's my window what's gonna help me choose between this horse and this horse maybe this horse has an x-ray that's not so suitable but okay he's 12 year old and he's super clinically sound so I think in the end it's putting the right people around you to be able able to make those right decisions in the end Sometimes I feel like one of the most challenging parts of a training program is the management aspect of all the horses, all of their care, and just the organization of it all. So there is this app that a million riders use today called Equilab, and it really does capture everything you need for your horse to track data, as well as log any information you might refer to in order to keep your horse healthy and safe and organized. I'm talking tracking rides, gait distribution, being able to have your position set live so that other people can keep track of where you are on a trail ride. You can organize your riding, farrier, if you were lunging or jumping a certain day and keep track of the schedule. You can also share your journey with other people who use the app. It just offers so much organization. It's super fun to use and really informative, especially as you get more and more competitive and really every little detail counts that you're able to collect data to really make sure that your horse is in peak performance. But really it is for every level and every discipline. So if you want more information, visit their website at equilab.horse. That's E-Q-U-I-L-A-B dot horse and get more information. One thing I know you recommend in the horse purchasing process is to thoroughly try a potential new horse. What what would you say a thorough trial looks like? I think it's not be afraid, first of all, to ask the questions. Sometimes um, we're shy or we say, oh, maybe he will tell us if the horse suck air in the stall or Mm. it's not easy with other horses in the hitching ring. But okay. It's a good industry that we're part of. We hope that it's always the most honest or transparent, but sometimes 
it is not so because we don't we know if we say that our horse sometimes is afraid of other horse it might not sell right so it's right. not be afraid first of all to ask the question and okay in my job I do try horses I try around three or five horses a week, which is a lot. So I was able for sure to better my trials and to make it more honest. So what I do, I like when I arrive to see the horse without tech to really see it, put the bridle on, the saddle, the boots, see the reaction. You want to know what you're going to deal with yourself if you buy. Okay, it might seem a little obvious, but... Sometimes horses don't like to have their ears touched when you pass the bridle. It might be important for what tells you what it tells you about the horse on the other bigger things, right? Mm-hmm. I like to have the horses um, tried before me. So see somebody on the horse before me, first of all, for my client's safety, my safety. We might have 10 videos of a horse, but maybe it's cold back. Maybe it's spooky at the, the stepping block. So obviously, and I like to see it trot canter with another person so maybe not have the ego to say like okay I'm ready I'm trying it right away it's not about that it's about taking the time and doing every step right for me and then for a good trial do everything slowly no rush um walk trot canter lead changes do once every side two times every side that you really feel what, where's the horse weaknesses because they will have weaknesses. They won't always be perfect. Vertical, oxer, double, add some liver pool. Don't be afraid to bring other jumps in. And I think some, maybe something that people don't do is know when to stop. When a horse is not suitable for you, you don't need to prove anything to the seller to yourself, to your trainer, you need to be able to have an open communication that everything stays okay. Also for the horse, if a horse doesn't need a trial to jump the top of the standard and you know tomorrow you won't buy it, maybe stop it. And I think you'll be more professional so and be able to listen to the advice from the trainer and the agent because a lot of times you'll feel something that on the ground will look totally different and staying into that boundary of safety and that everything goes well because they are live animals and a trial is still something that a lot of things can happen <laughs> and you want right. to stay yeah really conscious about it what are your thoughts of buying a horse off of a video so during the pandemic that um, increased really fast so mm. a lot of clients turn into that because they couldn't travel sure it did happen to me before to sell through video um even when i was in canada not before my europe journey i bought a three-year-old by video which was a bit less uh scary let's say like it's free jumping free jumps great you really need to have somebody on the other line that you trust or at least is referred or you know a little bit i, I think that's the most, most, most important, um, of course, maybe I'm saying like use an agent, but it's just to know at least the person because it's so easy and I know it's more now to make a good video. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to make a horse jump good and it's only 30 seconds in his life. And right. there's some tricks out there. Like I've seen everything. <laughs> yeah. So, and in the end, um, buying off video, I do think you need somebody overseas that tries it for you. Even mm-hmm. if you have 
10 show videos. You need to have somebody who tells you, oh, the mouth was a bit stiff on the right side. He was not so straight when he started, but he did get better. Even at whatever level you are, you're a Grand Prix rider. Like there is nothing more um, precise that somebody that gives you their feedback and feeling and that does the trial for you. So buying through video, I don't think it takes away the trial aspect, which I think is the most important of um, making sure you know what you buy because, okay, when it's in the plane, it's hefty prices that comes with it already. Even if the horse was, let's say, cheaper, I don't think horse or any <laughs> cheaper when we buy them and we, tra- we travel them, we make the insurance. Mm-hmm. So to a bit, yeah, insure our money. I think buying through video, I have many, many satisfied clients. But even for me as an agent, I want to make sure I have understanding that if I say, for example, it's a young horse, it's a bit spooky, but I see it in the long term in a good program being top hunter you want, for example. I need the future buyer to understand what I'm saying because a spooky horse for me might be a different spooky type of horse for the person, right? Right. So... I only take clients also by reference that make sure that have trainers. I work a lot with trainers because they know their clients uh, inside and out. Um, so it's not just that if you find a horse by video, make sure you send somebody to try it or a friend or what's really cool about buying a horse by video. It's that today's market, we all know also that it goes so fast. You mm-hmm. see a horse online uh, they'll tell you that 10 people are on a waiting list. And it's actually true. Like what happens these days is that horses are not really for sale. But when the seller decides to sell it, bam, the video with WhatsApp, Messenger, Facebook is all over the platforms. People see it. People are ready to buy and they know they need to act fast. So purchasing by video is maybe buying your dream horse and not losing the possibility of buying it. That's what happens a lot, especially in the hunter world and equitation world, because they're so rare. Jumper, they come more here, uh, but I do sell by video and it's a great way to exactly have the perfect match without missing the opportunity of buying it. Obviously, you know, whether you're dealing with serious buyers or, you know, I'm, we've all been there where we are just on the internet window shopping or seeing kind of what's out there, but we've all experienced you, the kind of the unique lingo used in horse sale ads. What would you say, what advice could you give buyers um, or those who are just window shopping? What words or phrases that are in some horse sales ads that are maybe red flags for you? There's so many. <laughs> um, actually, like I do look at horse ads a lot. Also in Germany, in Holland, in Belgium. Not because I don't have my circle of breeders and everything. Just because sometimes uh, you find opportunities with one-time seller that have the horses since, since they're born and want to have the platform to sell it. They don't have the connection yet. So it actually gives you opportunities to have direct horses with no intermediaire, how I call it in French. And then sometimes you deal with non-professional horse people also. So they write what they know about the horse. And when I see horse not suitable for amateur or needs a, a rider with confidence, I'm like, oh, oh, it, <laughs> it doesn't mean oft- it often means that the horse has a history. Mm-hmm. So what's the real meaning behind that? 
Is the horse spooky at water jump? Is the horse afraid of other horses? So if you're a good rider and brave and know how to deal with situation, because that might, the horse might be cheaper. Of course, if he has some kind of problem, you can still pursue those questioning and ask the people, hey, okay, I'm a good rider. What's the real deal? What's happening with the horse? Often I deal with, I don't want to deal with those horses because if I know they have a bad history, let's stop it there. Let's not try to be heroes of horseback riding and buy something that has good heart, has good results. Um, okay, sometimes it will always happen something like uh, I've got eliminated riding horses sometimes because I was scared and did two circles, like things mm, happened. Right. But if you see not for this or that type of rider or oh, it's already starts with a charge that probably is not necessary in your quest of buying a horse, I think. Yeah, that's really great advice. What would you say is something that you are passionate about in the industry that you feel like people either don't talk a lot about or don't know enough about? For me, since I didn't come uh, from horse parents or the education of how to translate my passion into my job, I love talking about it and guiding people because there is no good answer and when to say like, okay, maybe I'm not the rider I can be because, okay, the odds of being part of Team Canada or US or whatever country, it's a great dream, but is it achievable? Or should I just consider another part of the industry? And I think in my generation, at least, we're so lucky to have the social media as the journalistic avenue, like 15 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, there was not so many options. And now it's almost like there's too many options, mm. but not so many paths, like specific paths to do it. Like, like I said, at the beginning of the interview, if I thought I would be a horse seller, no, not really. <laughs> right. So I think your every journey is so specific. And what I wish I've learned before in my life is that every people, like you meet trainers at the show, you meet fellow riders, like everybody is a connection that can be useful for you in the future and create your circle of people that will answer your question. If you find yourself a bit lonely in your quest of how can you pursue your career in horses, you can only aspire to ask the people who did it before you. And today, that's what passionates me that I should have had more mentorship, I think, in my uh, way and more answers to my question. And I succeeded by doing, having mistaked, <laughs> continued. I think the education part is really important. It's a sport that you're a professional sometimes at 16 year olds. It's almost not normal in any other industry. And knowing what you want to do, you need to be out there, um, not be afraid to fall literally and physically <laughs> and put yourself out there in the end, I think there's so many opportunities in the industry. You need to have grit. And yeah, what passions me is that there's so many ways to make horses part of our life professionally. We just need to help each other out there and ask the question and make sure that we're not alone through that journey because sometimes it can be really isolating. Isolating. Maybe I'm not saying this word. No, yeah. yeah. Accent. But yeah, be part of a community. Every people, like when I was a young writer, I, I was maybe the sh shy person and that did not serve me well for my future 
go out there, talk to people, ask the people around you, the trainers. Like we're so lucky. We see our idols every day at the show. And I'm sure if you bring a coffee to them and you say, hey, that's my plan. What do you think? Nobody will say no to you or say like, go away. They'll actually mm -hmm. help you. And that's the beauty of our industry. Like the community we have, use it. I, I did not use it enough. I use it today. And yeah, ask out, ask a friend out, ask a professional out. There are so many ways to do it and find your own way. I love that answer. And that's totally something that I am passionate about too. I think that so often people think that the only way to, you know, make a career out of the industry is either being a rider or a trainer. And yeah. that's just not the case. And you can really kind of take what you are passionate about and turn it into a career within the equestrian industry. And, and I'm totally a fan of doing something um, for your job as something that you're passionate about. So I love that answer. Thank you so much. Wow. And thank you so much for taking the time. I loved having you on and learning about what you do. I think that so many people are always really stuck when it comes to the idea of finding horses and looking at horses in Europe. So I loved getting your two cents and I wish you all the best. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. And yeah, anytime I'm always uh, here to answer questions because, okay, it's not an easy industry. We need to be aware of what's out there and yeah, ask questions, be open, talk to people. <laughs> All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.